a seat to the edge of table with Nicole Biscotti and Melissa Seiboth. Welcome. We are so glad that you've decided to pull up a seat to the edge of table. The conversation is even more rich the more different people participate. Make sure you invite your friends to listen at the edge of table and continue the conversation on our forum at theedgeofable.com or on Twitter at the edge of table. We hope that you're enjoying the podcast as much as we enjoy putting it together. If you do, make sure to leave us a review. It absolutely helps the podcast be seen and brings more people to the table. My name is Melissa Sidebotham, and I am here with my good friend, Nicole. Hi, I'm Nicole Biscotti. The EduTable is a place for parents and educators to share ideas and perspectives. These conversations have become even more critical given the fact that we're all dealing with such unprecedented events at this moment and seeing the impact that it's having on education and on our children. Today, we'll be discussing a topic that is near and dear to most of our hearts, work-life balance in quarantine. We have put together a wonderful panel for you today. Uh, we have Dr. Korb has is making a return appearance. You might remind you might remember him from a few episodes ago when we were talking about parent concerns during COVID. Um, for those who are new listeners, uh, Dr. Korb, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure, I'm I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician, so I work with kids who struggle due to learning behavior social difficulties. Uh, I am a dad of five kids. I was the former president of the Society for Developmental Behavioral Pediatrics. I'm uh, an adjunct clinical instructor at Stanford and an author of Raising an Organized Child. An excellent book, by the way. Um, Thank you much. Next up, we have Yashmi Mystery. Yashmi, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a registered dietitian. I work with um, primarily with adolescents who have eating disorders. I'm also a mother of two young boys, seven and 10 years old, and I live in California. Perfect. And then we have Becky Simon. Becky, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, everybody. I'm actually Becky Kolesnik now. I just got married in December, and I am a teacher. Yay! I'm a teacher in Florida, Vero Beach, Florida. I have two children, 15 and 17, both with special needs, one um, in a self-contained access program. Actually, it's not self-contained anymore because she's in high school now. And um, I am been teaching in some form or fashion or working with kids in some form or fashion for about 25 years. And I am married to a teacher as well. So nice to meet you all. Perfect. I'm going to have to get used to the new last name. Congratulations. And Thank then you next, so much. Yay. And then next up, we have Kyle Anderson. Kyle, let's let's talk about you for a minute. Hi, I'm Kyle Anderson. I am a special education teacher in Nevada, and I am a father of two children as well, an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son. I've been teaching for about 15 years at this point in different um, aspects, uh, social studies teacher, special ed, administration for a short time. And then I am also the author of To the Edge, Successes and Failures Through Risk-Taking, which you can find on Amazon. And then I also write a blog on the regular at AndersonEdTech.net. Thank and you so much, all of you, for being very here. good. 
Sorry. Go ahead, Nicole. <laughs> no, I just wanted to thank you all for being here. And Kyle also has a podcast, which is a really fun podcast and very informative. Could you please tell our listeners a little bit about your podcast as well? I actually have two podcasts. Um, I'm going to assume that you're referring to the Beer EDU podcast as my fun I was. one. That, yes. <laughs> so that one is my buddy Ben Dixon and I. We host uh, the Beer EDU podcast where we're a couple of educators that like to learn from other educators as well, and we like to drink beer while we're doing it. So we geek out on beer a little bit, and we have great conversations with other educators. And then my other podcast is the podcast by Sons of Technology, where uh, Joe Marquez and I have various people come on, and we talk about really bucking the status quo and trying to encourage people to take more risks and try different things, especially with educational technology. Thank you very much for telling us a little bit about that. We have, as you guys can see, some really busy people on our panel today. So thank you for making the time to be here and to enrich this conversation. The first question that we wanted to ask was, how has your job changed in quarantine? And how do you maybe see that it might continue to change or evolve as we move towards whatever the new normal is going to be? And I would like to ask Yashmi if you would answer that, please. Yeah, so I, I typically work in an office and I have my patients coming in. Um, and once this shelter in place, actually that same week, um, our management said, all right, we're going to all work from home. So we all got laptops and we're doing everything via video or telephone conferences. So I'm working from home now. Um, yeah, <laughs> with two boys in school. So that's kind of fun. Um hoping that they don't walk in when I'm like doing a consult with somebody. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's my, that's my job now. And I think it's going to be like this for a while. Um, just depending on when, when the kids go back to school, actually. Um, I, I hear you guys. I'm worried that my kids might walk in on this podcast. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Becky and Kyle, I know that you guys are in education, just like Melissa and I. How have your jobs changed and continue to evolve? I would um, say that. Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, I'm so sorry. So I would say that uh, it's been kind of a tough transition. So the online aspect for me hasn't been so bad because I've been doing different things with educational technology and some distance learning type things for many years as it is. But getting my eight-year-old daughter motivated to do any sort of schoolwork is definitely a struggle. So uh, very recently, she was tested and accepted into the GATE program at her school. So she needs to be challenged on a regular basis. And the work that's being provided to her by her school is not very challenging to her. So we really have to work hard to try to figure out ways to challenge her and to pique her interest in some way. And actually, just today... I discovered that the Nevada Department of Wildlife has been hosting various webinars on different things in Nevada. So I signed her up some di for some different webinars through Zoom. Uh, she's going to do one on owls here coming up and then another one on fish and then an introductory introduction to birding pretty soon as well. So I'm really hoping that those will pique her interest a little bit. But it's definitely been a struggle with that transition to online learning as a result. Kyle, I can totally relate. I have four kids, one's in college, so three still at home. Uh, 
And I often marvel at how I can have 35 to 40 kids in a room engaged and learning actively. And my own kids just really don't want to follow my lead. I don't know why. I'm glad that you're, um, you're taking this opportunity for your daughter to get into some other interests. And I know a lot of parents, I think sometimes people think because we're teachers, right? Like it's easier for us to get our kids to, to get into online learning, but not so much. How's it going for you, Becky? It's the same. It's the same kind of process that everybody's going through. The kids are home. We're both home. Um, my husband and myself, it's been a learning curve for technology for us because we're with younger kids, but it's also been a learning curve for my own children and teaching them the technology aspect of things. And so it's been a challenge. Yes, it definitely is. And Dr. Corb, as a doctor, how is your practice? How has your daily um, routine changed? So it's, you know, it's interesting to me. I, I am in some ways very much, in some ways not at all. I, I'm working from home now and I'm doing telehealth visits with my patients, and everything seems to be very, very similar. I, I like seeing the insides of people's homes. Uh, it gives me a sense of what goes on there. Um, and at the same time, and I don't know why exactly, but I'm just, I'm much more tired. The end of the day is exhausting. It's almost like I'm having to entertain and keep uh, the momentum going in my appointments, which is much more work than when I'm seeing somebody in person. That's very true. Yes, and I think definitely. that the teachers are probably feeling a lot of that same that same thing, because when you are trying to engage um, your students and, and oftentimes there can be anywhere from you know 15 to, to 36 or or even more of them trying to make sure that all of them are engaged. It is a huge tap dance that you have to do and a big performance to try and, and draw everybody in. Um, and I think that that we're hearing that from from a lot of different people that even though we're at home and it seems like we may have some more time to maybe exercise or or maybe pursue some things like gardening that we hadn't had time to before we are we are really tired. Uh, Becky, you had something you wanted to share? I was just going to say, it's also trying to be respectful of what other people are going through, like the students. So I get up about seven in the daytime, start the, you know, hit the ground running, engaging with the early morning parents who have to get their kids to, or, you know, taken care of before they leave for work. And then throughout the day, people who are home and then into the evening, because some parents are nurses and they're doctors and they're working in healthcare. And so it's managing it's kind of like being a teacher for a minute and then not, and then being a teacher and then not. And then I have to be a mom and then I have to be a mom and check in and see. And so what you said, Dr. Korb, about being tired, it is like a constant being on all day. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, and we were going to have another guest um, on our panel this evening, but unfortunately she wasn't able to make it. She was feeling a little bit under the weather, um, but she she wanted to share her experiences with people as well. Uh, at the beginning of the shelter in place, she actually um, was let go from her job. And so that, of course, has completely changed the dynamics in their family. And she's one of the most positive people that you'll ever meet. So she's very upbeat. She's she's always looking for for what's going to be next and how to be, you know, keep things moving forward. But I know that this has this has really rocked their family. It's been really hard. 
So kind of going off of that, how how does this all affect your families and, and what's going on with you working from home? Um, Kyle, what can you tell us about that? Part of it's been nice because I get to see my family a little bit more, uh, something that I didn't typically get to do when I was in the standard environment, especially when I was teaching some adult education classes too. So I would be leaving the house at 6.30 in the morning or earlier and then not getting home till 9.30 at night sometimes. So there were some days where I wouldn't see my kids and wife at all on those days. Mm. But at the same time though, it's one of those deals when you start getting around people a little bit more often than you're not used to, the the angst starts to build up a little bit more. So, and little things um, turn into shouting matches, especially with young children. So it's been mm-hmm. tough in that regard. And then on top of that, during this whole time too, I'm in the process of getting ready to move. So we have both, uh, my wife and I have been accepted into different positions in Las Vegas versus Reno, where we live now. So now what we're trying to do is find a house from a long distance as well. We were able to travel to go look at some places, but uh, we weren't able to find anything at that time. So now we're still in the process of trying to look and we think we found something now, but it's just so hard to do from a distance. And then even if we were able to travel, it's not something that we're going to be able to do easily with everything that's going on right now. So there's just a lot of stuff going on right now and Mm -hmm. I'm struggling with a lot of it, but I'm just trying to take each day one day at a time and try to tackle these things one at a time and keep everybody sane and happy and we'll get through it and we're going to be better for it when it's all said and done. I agree. I think we will, we are going to be okay, but I, I so appreciate you bringing up the struggles that are happening because this is a, a major life event. And then you're, you know, piling on two more major life events on top of that with moving and with starting new positions. So that actually adds quite a lot of stress to, to what's going on. And even for people who aren't trying to do all of those things, I can so relate to, you know, the little things turning into bigger things where you're trying to get, I've got a high schooler, a middle schooler and a first grader and trying to, I I feel like sometimes it's literally herding cats where I'm trying to get them to do what they need to do. Plus make sure that I'm giving my job the time and attention that it needs and make sure my husband is taken care of. It's, it's a lot. It really, really is. Um, Yashmi, tell me a little bit about how this change in work has affected your family. I want to say initially it was hard. Uh, I mean, just personally, I felt like I was, I was probably going through some level of grief or depression, like, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. I was in this like holding pattern, like waiting for that storm to pass, but it just never did, you know? And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, just one more day, one more day, you know? Um, and then I, I'm not that person who could stay in that place for a very long time. So I'm like, okay, Sunday, Yashmi, you got to like get over this. You know, we've, we've got to do this. The kids have to do school, you know, we're very school focused at home. Um, and so, you know, we wanted to keep things as normal as possible for the kids. So, I mean, the school's been great, given us lots of stuff for to keep them busy. And I, my kids like doing stuff. They, they, they miss, they miss their friends. They miss playing. Um, I think that's the hardest thing for them. Um, they, they don't like, they don't like distance learning, although 
recently, my son, older one said <laughs> that he's like, I really like this because I can finish my work by 12 and then just play Roblox all day. I'm like, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of, you know, affected us that way. I, I feel like I've come to a place of, okay, we can do this. And, you know, at the beginning, it was just a lot of change. And I, I didn't know how it was going to be. And I didn't know how, like, Thankfully, in California, it's just been kept anything in all of the U.S., almost all of the U.S., it's felt like, it feels like it hasn't been as bad as they said it was going to be. So that feels better. Um, so we're still like in this holding place, but finding a way to work around it. Um, you know, I think my biggest challenge right now is like the kids, you know, they've it's just this technology and this screen time. Um, and they figured out, I just saw my younger one the other day, he was on a zoom call and I just went around to see what he's doing. And he's like, quickly like, clicking away. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> and, he's on YouTube. and, you know, he's found this new thing that he likes to do and let's draw Pokemon and, um, Pokemon has all these, you, you Pokemon YouTube has all these like instructions on how to draw them. So he's actually clicking on that, and I'm like, oh my god, the poor teacher is trying so hard to get all of these kids' attention, and like, how do you control that? Like, how do I control that? And I think I just flipped. I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> I'm trying to like block in on you on their computers. I don't know how to do it, and so mm-hmm. I just feel like there's other dimension that's kind of coming out out of their own boredom, like trying to find mm-hmm. ways to keep it interesting for them, you know. Um, because as much as they love school, I think they really like being in school. I like they, I think they like the interaction with their peers and their teachers. And there's so much about that. That's so much more than just the learning in itself. So I think, you know, for me, it just it hurts to see them like, being affected that way. Um, right, right. In terms of um, my work, my work has been fantastic, really flexible, understanding. I work, I work in child psychiatry, so they should be, right, I guess. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, just like, okay, Yashmi, you know, we're going to make this work and everyone's working from home and we all have ways to communicate via Teams. And, you know, I'm actually making really fun connections with doctors around the state, which is kind of fun because I've never done that before. So it's changed my work that way. Um and the kids get it, get a chance to see what mom does a little bit. They're like, so how many patients do you have today, mom? I'm like, I have so many. And they're like, oh, wow, so you can play with us? I'm like, well, I got other stuff to do, you know? So they're getting a, a chance to see, okay, well, this is the kind of things that mom does. And they're like, yeah, but you've been on the screen like all day. How can you tell us? <laughs> we can't be on the screen. Right. Um, there's a little bit of that kind of stuff happening. Anyways. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so- <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, you, you touched on so many things. I, I, I know that being on screens all day, there's, there's kind of good. I, and Dr. Core brings this up a lot in, in different conversations. There, there can be good screen time and not so good screen time and there, and not all screen time is created equal. So I think that, you know, trying to determine what each of those look like and, and limiting the bad ones. I think that's probably the best way to go, but, um, but it's, it's so funny to try and, and I think so often kids were like, 
so what does your mom do or what does your dad do? And they're like, I don't know. But now they actually do have a bigger window into what we actually do. And, and I think that's kind of a, an interesting byproduct of all of this too. But, but digital learning will never, ever be able to replace that in-person classroom with the social interactions because it's so much more than the, the direct instruction, the social times, the, the, the problem solving out on the playground when they're playing Foursquare and they have a disagreement, uh, deciding who you're going to sit with at lunch. I mean, all of those things that they go through on a daily basis just can't be replicated through distance learning. And it's a very important part of their education. Um, let's see. Uh, Dr. Corb, can you talk a little bit about, I mean, how, and I know your kids are a little bit older, but what kinds of things are you hearing from families about how work is affecting them? You know, um, I think uh, depending on the age of your child, it's very different. I think for the parents with with uh, toddlers and preschoolers, they're finding it difficult to get sustained work done. And so they're having to be creative. They're have, I, I encourage parents to to, to use stations around the house, create a station for blocks and a station for reading and a station for stuffed animals and, and kind of rotate your young ones from station to station so they can get more done. Um, the, the, the parents of the older kids, like the teenagers, I have 14 to 24 year olds, um, five kids in between there, the, the, the older kids can occupy themselves, but they're not necessarily occupying themselves in the ways that we'd want them to occupy themselves. So for those, I think parents have to be a little more proactive to talk to their kids about plans and goals and really try to get them doing something productive with all of this downtime. That makes a lot of sense because I think sometimes we're all trying to work, or those of us that are working from home, and we're we're thinking, oh great, the kids are busy. You know, they're they're on their they're on their tablet or they're on their computer, they're studying, and then Kind of like Yashmi said, maybe they're just drawing Pokemon or doing something else. So it's it, it's difficult to maybe monitor everything at once. And I, I don't remember who it was that said that we're managing so many roles simultaneously. And maybe that kind of taps into some of the exhaustion that we were referring to earlier. Because I know personally, sometimes I felt like I would get a break when I would go to work, even though I work with children as well. Um, it's just a different setting. So we kind of are doing, we're trying to do everything all at once. So maybe that's adding to it. And I know also um, as educators, we're really trying to figure out this distance learning. And it feels a lot like flying the plane as we build it. But I'd like to hear from parents. What would you like for school to look like for your kids right now? Like what what are parents, now that we're doing this, what are they seeing? Becky, would you like to answer that? Well, and this is a perfect segue because I think this is where being an educator is grace. Like I'm learning the technology that my kids need to know for their school. So I get to see it. But I consider the parents, I sort of use that as my barometer because if I'm stressed, I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I don't understand. What is he supposed to be doing? Or if I take a look at like, say, for example, my son's dashboard in Canvas, if I take a look at that and I am clearly confused and we are educated people trying to understand and figure these things out. If I take a look at that and I'm confused, that leads me to be stressed out. That leads me to be stressed out. I don't take it out on, I mean, I don't um, just 
don't say anything about it. I take it out on him. It's because it's sort of feeling dumb, feeling stupid, feeling fear, feeling worry. And then I just have to kind of remind myself, oh my goodness, have some grace. These parents are trying to be parents. They're trying to go to work and manage their own lives. And then they're trying to be a teacher on top of that, which is my full-time job. And so it just gives me this endless amount of grace for when they say, I can't. I have the kind of like a blessed gift of knowing they can't. And so they don't need to feel shamed at that moment. They don't need my judgment. They maybe need a healthy meal and to go to bed. And so it's like in that moment, you were, you, what you said is what would school look like to me? It's just a place of grace. If all they can do that day is read a book, that's enough. If what they're going to teach them that day is how to cook something, that's enough. We're all managing in a crisis. And so I just think it being a parent and a teacher has kind of given me the gift to be able to say, you just let that go. Relationship over report card. We are just managing a crisis. Absolutely, Becky. And we have to always be sensitive to the fact that different families are living through this crisis in very different ways. Obviously, some people are sick or have loved ones that are. Um, Some people are going to a job every day that they don't feel very safe at. And that's going to increase. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people are trying to work from home and see patients and and scared that the kids are going to be fighting in the background. Or, um, you know, there's just a variety of different situations. Mm -hmm. Gashmi, what would you have to say to that about how you would like for school to look for your kids? Oh, gosh. I feel so blessed. Um, My kids are generally, like, just good at following directions by the teachers, not parents, but, you know, um, so they're doing well. They've got their Zooms. I I love that the Zooms keep them occupied. I think I just want them to be occupied um, and I want them to enjoy learning. Um, I I mean, I agree with you, Becky, in in every respect, but if we were going to take a different spin on what school could be like, like, just knowing, like, just seeing my son the other day go on to Pokemon, I'm like, all right, this has got to be so hard for these teachers to like keep track of all these kids. So would it make sense for the zoom classes to be smaller? I mean, you know, the classes are like what, 18, 20 kids. How does a teacher manage that? Um, so if there was an ideal world, yeah, I'd like the classes to be like six kids and be really interactive. And, you know, when we get to do a breakout room and the kids get to talk to each other and just be silly, Um, And just seeing the smiles on their faces. I just wish there was more of that um, in their school. That's great feedback. Um, Putting my teacher hat on right now. That's really valuable feedback because you make a very good point, really, that if we do smaller Zooms, we can have more interaction and more meaningful interaction and maybe not so many kids um, drifting off and, and doing other things on their computers, which they're all very good at doing. So so see, this is why it's great when educators and parents talk, because that is a a great idea and and a really, um, from an education standpoint, a really effective idea. Kyle, what would you like for school to look like for your children right now? I know that you've already started, started to branch out to keep your kids interested, but what would you like actual school to look like right now? I feel very lucky that I have a daughter that is as advanced as she is because 
I don't have to worry so much about her losing any skill set so much. She already, she loves to read and her math skills are very advanced for her age. So I'm not too worried about her right now. Would I like for her to be able to do some more productive things throughout the day? Absolutely, I would. But it's not so much something I really fight with her about because she is advanced. So when we get back to a regular environment, I know she's going to be okay. But this is the special education teacher coming out now. I'm really concerned about those students that are not advanced like my daughter is. So, and the, I believe it was Yashmi and you were talking about how having the smaller Zoom sessions would be more beneficial. Whereas I'm actually the opposite where I would like for more of my students to show up. I've really am struggling right now to get students to show up for sessions where I, I will go entire days sometimes with my co-teachers and we don't have any students show up. And, oh, wow. and try to call, we try to email, and we do a multitude of what things to try to contact students. And we're often getting shut out um, with a lot of these students. And so I'm, I'm the opposite. I would much rather have 25 of my kids all show up into a Zoom session and then try to figure out what to do from there versus what I'm doing right now, where I'm spending a lot of my time trying to contact kids and not getting any contact. Because I really worry about a lot of those students that they, they don't have the skill sets like my eight-year-old daughter does where their reading skills are advanced and a lot of the other skills that they're, they're going to need. And I teach high school, so it's a little bit different uh, comparing apples and oranges right now. But we're talking about students that are a couple of years away from being, quote unquote, thrust into the real world. And I'm, I'm just really concerned about how prepared they're going to be for whether it's college or if it's a career, trade school, military, whatever it is that they choose to do. I, I really feel like this is going to set a lot of students back this whole situation that we're in right now. And I'm really concerned about that. So, but it's not stopping me from trying everything I can to continue on and help as many kids as possible. So I I've got my Google voice number that I've been using to text message students where I've, I'm finding out that if you can get a hold of a kid's cell phone number, that you, you're going to have a lot more luck than trying to get them on a Google meet. So I'm starting to have a little success with that, but Again, I'm just very concerned about what this is going to look like in a couple of years as these students start moving off into graduation and into um, life, uh, quote unquote. Kyle, this Kyle, is I, me again. Sorry. I, I just wanted to kind of encourage you from a parent standpoint. I did not reach out to our people who called from the special education department. I didn't answer those calls right away. So I just want to encourage you to keep going. I dropped the ball as far as that was concerned because I had like for my son in particular, seven classes to try and pin down. And I just want to encourage you to keep going because the, the the gentleman who finally, I answered the phone, he finally was like, thank you so much. We've just been so worried and nobody's answering our calls. And so I just wanted to give you some encouragement. I'm sure you're already, know, you already know that, but I, I dropped the ball as a, as a parent because I just felt so overwhelmed. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I have found that I am having starting to have more success. I decided rather than trying to call that actually today, I started text messaging parents instead. And I've, I've gotten a little bit better of a response rate as a result of that. So um, I, I don't like to say like this for we got four weeks left. I can't wait till it's over. That's not what I mean by by any means. But it's just the frustration and and the worry that I'm going through right now over students I, it's it's going to be over in a few weeks, but then I have to worry about them over the next couple of months. And then because I'm moving, these are students that I haven't I haven't fully grasped it yet. But ninety nine point nine percent of them, I'm never going to see again ever. And that's mm -hmm. really 
kind of depressing to me in my mind. That's hard. That is so hard. Well, and I yeah, wanted I can... to go ahead. Go, go ahead, Melissa. Nicole. No, no, Melissa, well, go ahead. I just wanted to to bring up another another side of this because um, my my kids are actually pretty introverted, and um, and I was super super shy growing up, so it's probably my fault. But um, one of the things that has kind of come about because of this distance learning and everything is on Zoom. I'm finding that my children are having some some Zoom avoidance, if you will. Like my oldest, she does not want to see her face on the screen all day. And a lot of her teachers are asking them to make videos and to, you know, to to film themselves and then to show that to the class and thinking that it's going to be fun and exciting. And I think for, for a lot of students, it probably is. But after the umpteenth video that she had to record, she actually came downstairs yesterday and she was in tears. She was in tears because she's like, I just want to be able to write out my answers. I don't want my face up there, you know, bigger than life anymore. I can't do it anymore. And of course I asked her, you know, did you, did you talk to your teacher about it? Did you email them? And she's like, well, I don't want to make a big fuss. I, I want to do what they they're asking of me. Um, but it's, it's trying to coach her through talking to her teachers. Cause I know that her teachers don't want for her to be feeling that way. And, and we also need to kind of look at those introverted kids and see how is what we're doing impacting them too. And, and can we make school look a little bit different for, for different children? So that's kind of where I was coming from with what, what could school look like a little bit differently? Absolutely. Dr. Korb, did you want to answer this, what school could look like and kind of based on your experience and what you're seeing in your practice? So I would just say that um, I, 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 everybody's had really good points and they've been very different uh, than where I was headed with this. Where I was headed is um, this is an opportunity for us to always rethink and improve the way we do things. And, um, and, you know, there's certain things about learning from home and learning to learn online and learning to be a little more independent and researching things that I think are probably really good for our students in the long run. And so if teachers, while I know they've been thrown into the fire this time, um, going forward can think about ways to integrate that and integrate this independent learning, especially for the older kids, I think it could be really beneficial. Very true. Very true. And, you know, as I was just thinking like these, you know, there's a lot of kids who homeschool and parents choose to homeschool their kids so that the kids can find their own, like to help them lead their own like learning. And I don't know, is there a way to tap into that during this distance learning um, time? Um and not be so focused on, you know, finishing worksheets and things like that, you know, um, and tapping into their curiosity somehow. <laughs> I think you bring up a really, really good point, Yashmi. And, and given the conversations that I've been having in, in the school system that I'm in, those kinds of things come up on a regular basis. You know, we 
and I think this has come up with uh, different school systems across the globe, really, we don't want for education to be so transactional anymore. And I think that we have this amazing opportunity to affect real change at this point in time. And I think there's a lot of really, really great minds that are putting a lot of energy into exactly what you're talking about. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out. Um, but kind of moving into our, our next piece, as as this continues, and I know, uh, Dr. Corbin, we were talking you know, several weeks back, we were just on the beginning edge of this. And now we're close to two months in and, and things things feel different. I think things feel a little bit harder. What kinds of things should we be watching out for in our family dynamics? Is, is, are there any things that we should be looking for? I think it's important to know that everybody experiences grief differently. You know, some people get angry. Some people are in denial. Some people complain. Some people will be fearful. Some people will act irresponsibly. And really, I think as a parent, we need to sit back and just kind of watch our kids and and observe for differences in, in the way that they're behaving or their personality. And then ask them, you know, why they're doing that and is is everything okay and uh and then listen especially as they get to be tweens and teens parents need to spend most of their time listening and not trying to solve problems for them not trying to fix everything but but hearing and 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 repeating what they're saying and then letting the kids learn to solve their own problems to work through these struggles but knowing that their parents are there to listen and I think that's probably one of the hardest things for for us as parents to do, because I think we always want to to fix it. And we always want to be that person who can who can kiss the boo-boo better, right? Right. But it's it's I think you've hit the nail right on the head. It is so important to listen. Because as soon as you start talking to them or talking at them, you can just see them shut down. And that's that's exactly the opposite of what we want to have happen. And I know we've got educators on here as well. Um, what kinds of things, uh, Kyle, what kinds of things would you would you say that you watch out for with your students and with their families that that would give you pause if you were seeing? The students that I have that were engaged a few weeks ago, but now they have fallen off and they're not engaged. Those are the ones I'm really trying to get to. Right now, there's some students where I haven't had a conversation with any of them, but they've been turning work in every mm-hmm. week. I'm not too concerned about those ones as I am the ones that were engaged, but now they're not. So, and and with those situations, nine times out of ten, I know it's probably a situation where they're taking care of a younger sibling, or money has become even more tight as a result of this situation. Or I spoke to a student recently where. He hadn't turned anything in, hadn't been in contact because he went and picked up a full-time job so he could help support his family. So so it's those situations. Wow. It's that contact piece where that's really throwing up the flags for me that I'm looking out for whenever I'm, I'm interacting with my students. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Yashmi, you know, as as a parent and as as a friend to people in your community, what kinds of things do you watch out for in your friend group to, to kind of that would alert you that that somebody might need you as a friend. 
I think we're just talking to each other and checking in and making sure we're all doing okay. Um, I, I feel like a lot of us are actually finding our, our peace with this and, and talking to the people that I'm talking to, you know, and some are adjusting and making things work and we're helping each other out as we can, you know, um, was talking to a mom the other day and I'm like, well, and she was, she was upset because her son doesn't get his work done and she can't monitor him. And so, you know, offering like, well, I can, maybe we can zoom together and they can work on their work together via zoom or something, Mm -hmm. but definitely trying to be there for each other and help each other out. And uh, 23 more days, I think it is. So, (laughs) um, so yeah, I think we're just checking in with each other right now and just making sure we're okay. Very true. Because I think, you know, even though we are apart from each other, our 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 friend groups are still there and our families are still there. And so when we hear those things, I love hearing how you're reaching out to people and just making those offers to to be there. And I think that makes, that makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. And I think it's important as an educator and as a parent, like we pointed out earlier to have grace, grace with ourselves, grace with our children. Dr. Corb, thank you so much for pointing out that we need to listen more than we speak. I know as a parent and as a teacher of high school kids in both roles as a parent and as a teacher, I I do want to fix things a lot. So it is important to let people work through things and and to have grace with them. I want to thank you all for pulling up a seat and being part of our show today. Please reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at, at the edutable. We would love to hear from you. Also remember to check out the articles and videos on our website at theedutable.com and to subscribe so that we can deliver all of this content right to your inbox. Thank you again for listening. And remember that children always benefit when parents and educators work together. And again, we hope you're finding these discussions as valuable as we do. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple's podcast or follow it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We really, really appreciate the support. And you should know that the more subscribers and five-star reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us and join the conversation. Thank you so much for pulling up a seat.